Screw it, screw it, we're just just gonna gonna talk about Spider-Man. Welcome to Screw It, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man, the podcast where two brothers discuss the original Spider-Man run by Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. Uh, These comics came out in the 1960s, uh, but the character has never been more popular, uh, and we're going back and rereading these comics that we read as kids and making other people hear us talk about them. (laughs) Yep, this is a coercion podcast, we are forcing people to listen. Yeah. Um, hopefully uh, they're enjoying the coercion. It's not the worst thing that's ever happened to them. Hopefully they're... Uh, I like it better thinking that this is under duress, yeah. that somewhere people are being held under the threat of violence to listen to our podcast. Uh, I mean, maybe that, makes, that makes it more fun for me. That might be how most podcasts are listened to. I, I don't really know. You're not a big podcast listener. No, I listen to a few now. Yeah. Um, now that I drive again, I listen to some when I do longer drives, but my wife doesn't listen to the same things as I do, so... It's if generally car only together. when I'm driving alone for a long distance. Um, yeah, you're a New York boy and you yeah. moved to New Jersey how many years ago? Three years ago. Yeah, so before you were in New Jersey, it's a lot of subway riding. Yeah, and that's when I would read books. Uh, right. And when I ride trains even into the city, I want to read books. Because you're like a highbrow like snob. I just don't read when I'm home. I watch TV. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's the only time where I can't watch TV and I'm like, oh, this is good. I read books. Right. And the moment I start doing something else, I stop reading completely. Well, I live in Los Angeles. We should introduce ourselves. Uh, my name is Will Hines. I refuse to introduce myself. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm Kevin Hines. I'm Will's brother. Yeah. And I'm a Los we Angeles. started promoting this podcast as the Spidey Bros. Yeah. On Twitter this week, I was like, Spidey Bros. And I was like, ooh, I wish we called it Spidey Bros. Too late. Too late. I was trading off my very small brand of screw it. <laughs> We're just going to talk about blank. Which I still think is a great idea. Okay, good. I look forward to your third screw it franchise podcast series. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Um, but anyway, uh, you live in LA. Yeah. So like this is a podcast town. Like everybody here is like listens to podcasts and has podcasts and talks about it. And uh, when I was, you know, and I moved here four years ago when I was in New York, um, you know, our LA friends would talk about podcasts and I'd be like, what are they rambling about? Who cares? Guys. <laughs> then I moved here right away. I started listening to tons of, and I really enjoyed that. And, and part of it is because you're driving a lot. So it's like, it's an easy thing to listen to while you're doing that. Um, and this is Do a you, podcast. Does that yeah. mean you listen to less music though? Uh, I still listen to a lot of music. I guess okay. I listen to less, but um, it's still a lot. Because before I, New York, the main time I listened to music was driving. Yeah. Um, I, I have time to do both. I mean, I'm in the car every day for at least an hour, so um, I can I can cover a lot of ground. Also, I listen to my podcast at insanely fast speeds. Sure. Um, that saves me time. I'm just thinking now, Spider-Man probably would never listen to podcasts because he does not take public transportation or drive. That's right. He... Um, although I wonder if he would rig up some kind of earpiece, you know, cause he's such a science whiz. He'd have to listen to some nerd podcast to like stay up to date or whatever. It feels dangerous to swing around <laughs> with uh, headphones on. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of Spider-Man being into like Beats by Dre or some like noise canceling headphones to really yeah. have a serene wing. I guess he could depend on his spider sense to, uh, yeah, have like, the pause. My, my spider sense will let me know. Um. So Kevin, uh, we're doing um we're doing issue number nine today, which is Electro. Yeah, uh, this came out in February of 1964, cover dated February of 1964. Right. Um, this is introducing another, I think, early big villain of Spider-Man's. Sure. Uh, one who was around for a while. He doesn't get as much play now, though. Yeah. He was featured in the first Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie. 
No, the second, second one. The second one, the second Ooh, one, yeah. It was a terrible movie. But yes. he was a big enough one to make one of the, you know, the fifth villain used or whatever by these Yeah, movies. right. He, I think of him as a big one. He's he's a, he's a he's a big Spider-Man villain. Yeah. Um, He's got an insane costume, but I love it. His I costume love, is sort of terrible. Yeah, but I like that Ditko, and I think about this about, you know, so Steve Ditko, the artist of the Spider-Man comics, um, who, you know, I, I love and you also love his design and his composition. We're, we're huge Steve Ditko fans. Um, and I like that even when stuff doesn't quite work and I'm going to say Electro's costume doesn't quite work. Yeah. It's still different and innovative. It's just, there's nothing cookie cutter from Steve Ditko. Everything is thought of very deliberately and he's got a lot of flair. And I think of this about Jack Kirby too, the other big, the, the really the main artist of Marvel Comics. Jack Kirby could not draw a cliche costume to save his life. You know, the Silver yeah. Surfer is anything but a cliche uh, superhero. Any cliches he drew, he probably invented. He probably created them. Yeah. So yeah, Electro's a little weird. He's got this kind of like <laughs> big lightning bolt mask kind of. But the mask is ridiculous. The mask He's is also really got lightning bolt like glove cuffs. Yeah. It's like, a pretty the cover. There's just too much going on. He really looks like one of the Batman villains from the Batman TV show. Like it looks very art directed. He, he looks he looks like he could be the star of a great musical. Like Electro looks like he should that like the Starlight Express by Andrew Lloyd Webber or something would feature yeah, yeah. somebody like Electro. He plays like a storm cloud or something. Yeah. Or the, the Lord of Lightning. He, there's so many lightning bolts on his costume you'd almost <laughs> think he was worried people wouldn't know <laughs> what, what he was doing when he shot lightning out of his hands. Yeah there's an unseen first, first robbery by Electro in which nobody knows who he is or what he's doing. So he's like I gotta change that and then he goes home. They're like, oh, he's zapping us with radiation. He's like, no, it's lightning bolts. Ah, uh, so there's some kind of heat wave going on here. Oh, is this a magnet? Is he working with magnets? It's like, all right, yeah. I'm going all lightning bolt for my costume. Um, I'm going to suggest a new segment right now, Well, to add to our growing list of segments. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, I think we should talk about the cover first and then go into what's going on in the Marvel Universe, Spidey News and all this stuff. It's almost like a teaser for the rest of the episode. I approve this segment. Great. My goal the is main for reason us I want to do it to have eventually like 20 or 30 segments. Oh yeah, I want this all segments. Yeah. I want more time spent introducing segments than doing them. <laughs> okay, so cover segment. I'm ready. Yeah, it'll be like the after our little intro, which we've just done, we'll go into the cover, and then Makes we'll sense. go into some background segments, and then we'll go into the body of the comic. Okay, so pretend like this cover segment happened just a little bit earlier. I'm ready. Yeah, just a tiny bit earlier. Uh, this cover's ridiculous. Because <laughs> um, it promises this, the defeat of Spider-Man as if it's that's a new thing, when he's been defeated in almost every issue we've read. Yeah. Um, the bottom half of the cover shows Spider-Man like totally laid out, unconscious in the ground. Electra walking away with a bag of money because Spider-Man villains, they love bags of money. And that bag of money he's holding is a cartoonish. It is a. It's like it's like out of a, a political ad. Yeah, yeah. It's, like a, it's a Thomas Nast parody of the Republican Party or something like that. Or Tammany, Tammany Hall. Um, yeah, Electra looks like Boss Tweed here on the cover of this. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, yeah. Uh, Spider-Man touches his shoulder. He's electrocuted. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and then he's yeah. on the ground dead, apparently, defeated. Yeah, Electro's walking away. But yeah, every single issue, pretty much, Spider-Man attacks the main villain, loses, figures something out and comes back and beats him. And that happens here, too. And often loses in a way where the villain assumes he's done. Like, definitely yeah. Doc Ock was done with Spider-Man and Sandman was done with Spider-Man. They were both like, no the problem vulture, The Vulture just dumped his body in a tank. The Vulture just yeah. just tried to drown him. And a lot of those issues have Spider-Man going, well, that's it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm done. 
I, I do so, quit. Everybody's right. So yeah, to, to act like this is a new thing, it's sort of strange. Yeah. It's kind of like on this episode of Breaking Bad, Walter makes meth, you know, or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, uh, bad decisions will be made in this episode of Breaking Bad. <laughs> in this episode of The X-Files, something weird happens. Yeah. Watch Scully and Mulder fight about whether something's real. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Yeah, it's bad cover. Uh, uncharacteristic bad cover. Usually the covers are really great, but this one looks yeah, really thrown together. Next issue is also a little rushed, and then I think they get better again. I, you've, you pointed out like they, they were bi-monthly for a while, then they become monthly, and I wonder if Ditko was just sort of like adjusting to the new workload. Yeah, and I think also like we never know what other comics Ditko did this month or things like that. Like we know he does Iron Man every now and then. Um, and Doctor and is Doctor Strange happening yet? Doctor Strange is happening. It's a half an issue. Uh, it's, it's half of uh, Strange. Tales. Okay, so that he shares with uh, the Human Torch. That, that ain't nothing. And yeah, and if he like gets thrown something extra or an annual is done or something like that, um, he might not have as much time. I mean, definitely for Kirby. Anytime there's a rushed story by Kirby, I'm like, yeah, of course. Yeah, Kirby was doing such an insane workload. Um, okay, so that's our cover segments, and then we move on to yeah, what's great. going on in the Marvel Universe segment. Yeah. What's going on in the Marvel Universe when this issue is published? Nothing. Okay. Um, nothing new. End of segment. But but uh, <laughs> when I was researching what was going on, I discovered something I didn't know. And I don't think you knew this either. Do you know what was sharing Tales of Suspense with Iron Man at this point? I don't know. So Iron Man was a half an issue or sometimes two thirds. And then it was like a backup story that would later become shared with Captain America. So later on, Tales of Suspense is Captain America and Iron. Okay. But at this point, Captain America is not back in the Marvel Universe. It's just Iron Man. And it's somebody else. Uh, make a w wild guess of a Marvel character you think could be in the backup, and then I'll tell you who it is. All right, I'm going to tell you my first guess, and it's going to be one of the romance characters, like like you know Patty, whatever her name was. Right, right. Um, and that's a fair guess. Um, what was her name? Patty. There was some Marvel romance comic in the '50s. You know, which uh, was just sort I'm of like, thinking Patty Hearst, but that's not it. <laughs> it's not. No, they didn't. Marvel comics did not do a ten <laughs> years ten years before it happened dramatization of Patty Hearst getting brainwashed <laughs> by a by a radical group and robbing a bank. But boy, if they had, <laughs> if we, if one of these Spider-Man issues has Patty Hearst in it, we have to talk to somebody. We have yeah. to alert them. That's something worth talking about. That's a segment. Yeah. If, if Patty Hearst shows up, we're going to devote her own segment to her. Yeah. Uh, from uh, no. forwards. Uh, uh, it is not a romance character. <coughs> Pardon me. I'm, uh, I have a little bit of a cold. Um, it's not a romance character. The backup character was the Watcher. Whoa. The, from the Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Four character who occasionally shows up to watch amazing events happening in, on Earth. Yeah. In the Fantastic Four, when he shows up, it's like, oh, something like galactically important is about to happen. And he's just here to like take notes. Yeah. So but the backup showing up Iron Man. Down. So the backup feature to Iron Man is just watcher stories. Uh, from what I can tell, generally stories he tells of things he's watched, but also sometimes <laughs> things that he sort of is impacted by, like things he's like, oh, I wish I could get involved. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird choice. A character who has avowed to not be active, to not do anything, is your main character. That seems seems yeah. like a bad choice. And now the uninvolved man yeah. will will star in our story. I mean, it's it makes sense that Captain America got that slot. Yeah, there's some upside to be had there. They love the Watcher, man. Then then in the 70s, the Watcher was the narrator of the What If stories. 
Yeah, and that makes a little more sense. That was the series where it was like, what if certain Marvel characters, things had gone a different way or whatever. Yeah. We mentioned it briefly uh, in our third podcast because I talked about the what if is the, the first what if is what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four? Yeah. They let us out, like, what if Uncle Ben had lived is another one. Yeah. What if the thing could turn back to Ben Grimm? Uh, a lot of it was like sort of like removing really important parts of the story and seeing what would happen. Yeah. But it was the Watcher who introduced it. The Watcher was like, I can't get involved. First of all, I'm not getting involved. I'm not doing anything. But That's here's right. the story. I, I mean, was watching I've never another seen... planet and shit went down. Yeah. He just, I've never seen a guy duck responsibility more than the Watcher. Um, uh, and Watcher showed up in one of the movies recently. I didn't know that. He showed up in the Guardians of the Galaxy volume two. Oh yeah. The Watcher. Yeah. They were, uh, the Watchers are talking to Stan Lee and as like, the, the Guardians it flies by. That's right. That's right. Um, okay. Uh, I feel like we're done with the segment we should move on. Yes. Segment over. Okay. Good segment. Now, should we go on to the actual issue? Is that what we do now? Well, normally we do Spidey news, but there isn't any. Okay, no Spidey, no podcast podcast news. There isn't any. We got some reviews, but we'll do those down in reader mail. Yeah, yeah. So now we should go into the actual issue, I think. Okay, so this is issue number nine. It's a lecture. I'm going to say, Kevin, I loved this issue. There's uh, a... Parts of this issue are amazingly good. I, Electro doesn't do a ton for me. Uh, I know last episode we had um, Alex Fernion who didn't like the living brain. Um, yeah. I feel sort of similar about Electro. I like the living brain almost more because at least it happened in the school. So if you were an editor um, at Marvel Comics, she'd be like, let's bring, forget Electro, let's bring back some more living brain. I might. I might. <laughs> if we could get him back in the high school, maybe he's teaching a English class. <laughs> oh, guess what, Peter? Your new teacher is the living brain. <laughs> and he's got a grudge. Um, uh, you know what? I do like that story. <laughs> <laughs> But I, but I liked, uh, I didn't dislike the Electro stuff and I love the Aunt May stuff Yeah, and everything else that sort of happens in this issue. All the Peter Parker stuff is so good. All the like emotional stuff, they really kick it up a notch. Like this is a very like dramatic issue and I, and I I am on board. This splash page that the story starts off with, uh, is sort of burned in my memory from our old digests Yeah, because it's got like J. Jonah Jameson pointing at him angrily, Peter Parker upset half Spider-Man, half Peter Parker. Yeah. You Uh, love that. May and a sick bed uh and it, like yeah. all the things that I sort of associate with Spider-Man. Are yeah, sort of one of the there. one of the great things about all, a lot of Spider-Man issues it's is that Peter Parker just has shit coming at him from all sides. Yeah, just trouble in every way, and and um, sometimes that really dovetails nicely. And this is one of those issues where it's really it's really great. Yeah, they're really piling on. Um, it's a great splash page. Um, then the opening page one is also great. We see Spider-Man like in a hurry towards something, and we don't know what. I love this first page. Me this too. Might be my favorite page in the comic. Uh, it's beautiful. Um. Yeah, it is really striking. The drawings are especially crisp and the colors are nice and everything is, is really good. Uh, we don't know what he's rushing to and he's and he's even avoiding crimes. He's yeah. got like a satchel with him and he is in a hurry and he's not even stopping to fight crime. He's yeah. in such a hurry. Not a minute to lose, he says, as he leaps from a building and swings yeah. over a crime. The criminals give up because they see Spider-Man coming. Yeah. But he doesn't even slow down. <laughs> yep. Criminals are the usual Steve Ditko guys in their mid-50s wearing pork pie hats. I mean, these criminals are behind a turned over car. Yeah. Stuff and is all firing their guns. Yeah, there's four muzzle flares going at once. But the minute they see Spider-Man, they give. Uh, and then he wasn't going to stop anyway. The last panel of this page, we see Spider-Man sort of like changing into Peter Parker as he's running because he's in such a hurry. Which by that yeah. panel looks great. Oh, so great. There's a cat scared near him. That's a little too much. But otherwise, I love what's happening there. Um, it's a, it's going to sound this is going to sound underwhelming, but I will say it. Steve Ditko is great at clothes. He's good at folds 
folds and fabrics. And anytime there's like sweeping, flowing like capes or whatever or webs, they look great. And this is no exception. And you know, I love superheroes getting uh, changed. Yeah. Yeah. I really do. I, I, I legitimately think, get excited by it. I think you were meant to be like an Edna Mode, like superhero costume designer, just so you could have people coming in being like, quickly get in the costume. Now quickly get out. And yeah. it's not sexual. You just somehow like this, the changing of identity very quickly. It's very exciting to me. And watching him like pull his jacket on over a Spider-Man outfit, I'm like, ooh, something's up. Page two, he's bursting into his home while he's peeling off his mask just as he just as he walks in. He's barely covered up. And then we see the reason why he's in such a rush. Yeah, Aunt May is in a, is she's in bed. She's sick and he had to get her medicine to her. Yeah. And this is something that will happen now and then in Spider-Man comics. This is the first time, but it's a really effective trope. Because he's so guilty about allowing his Uncle Ben to be murdered in the very first Spider-Man story, and because he loves his Aunt May, if but anything less, is wrong... Less about loving his Aunt May and more about guilt. It's more guilt. I think Spider-Man is primarily about guilt. The way Batman is revenge and Iron Man is like machines are cool. Spider-Man is, uh, <laughs> is guilt. Three and of the, the the primal passions of the human being. Guilt, revenge, and machines are cool. Neat. <laughs> yeah. And um, so anytime anything goes wrong with Aunt May, that is a full stop on Spider-Man. Like, and it's a cool yeah. device. Like he will let the whole world burn if it means taking care of Aunt May. And I'm sympathetic to it and it makes for good stories. And this is one of those situations. She's very sick and he doesn't know what to do about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think it's a trope that gets downplayed a little bit now because Aunt May, she's been sick so often. Yeah. They went to that well a lot. Comics. It definitely felt like if, uh, if he could stop someone from like pushing a button to blow up the city or save his Aunt May. He'd save his Aunt May he his Aunt May. About it. Yeah. and lets the city die. And it's, that's not the right not choice, a, probably. Not a right choice. Bad superhero, but a cool Aunt May story. May would be mad about that choice. Yeah, she would not approve. Um, the, I mean, I'm jumping way ahead, but the end of the Steve Ditko run, very near the end, ends with a three-issue master planner saga, which is both yours and mine, one of our favorite things ever. Yes. And that is a sick Aunt May story to end all sick Aunt May stories, I think. Like, yeah, um, it, it, it almost the comic could end at that point and you have a nice resolution. It is um, so great. I mean, that's uh, so, so far from that story. And yet I, I can't I wait. Could, I could make this whole podcast every episode just about that story. Yeah, me too. Um, but this is this is sort of a foreshadowing of it. Like Aunt May is sick and. It stops Spider-Man. He will not fight crime while while he has to take care of her. I mean, the next time she gets sick, I think, is also one of my favorite stories. And that's yes. not even the Master Planner song. Yeah. And may we, <laughs> I don't know, it's a very, I was going to say we love her getting sick, but I don't think that's true. But we like the the drama of it makes for makes for a good-ish. Yeah. He loves uh, her so much. He loves his Aunt May so much. It, all, it just hits every button. Like I, yeah. it is very intriguing to have a character who has a, an override and it's just, mm. and it really is one of the best arguments for a secret identity if you were a supervillain and you wanted to manipulate Spider-Man, you just you threaten Aunt May in any way whatsoever and you got him. Yeah. Um, it immobilizes We're only him. halfway through the second page, but I love this shot of him half Spider-Man, half Peter Parker costume. Yeah. Just she's, dejected. She's gone to sleep. He's sitting and now he's the clothes he hurriedly put on. He's kind of allowed them to kind of like fall open. So he's we see both his Spidey clothes and his Peter clothes. It's a very sad drawing. It's a powerful moment. I mean, this is, you know, Stan Lee was a ham, but he knew the bones of a good story. Steve Ditko is can really get a lot of emotion out. Uh, we're in a mode of this comic where it's really transcending what a superhero comic has ever been before. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's exciting. He spends the entire night just sitting by her bed in case she needs him. Yeah. It's My moving. I mean, I right now and yeah. I would not do that. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, you know, your wife's also a young woman and she's yeah. very healthy. You know what I mean? And like, but I sort of feel like even I, no matter what, I'm like, I could leave the room. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if he, we, we don't see everything. He might go to another room and do a podcast. You know, he says a, I'd better sit here in case she needs me. We don't know. Maybe he goes. He's never moving. There's a ham He's radio. He's urinating into a, a bottle that he wow. brought in with Good him. Heavens, I think and he is not leaving her side. Okay. Speaking of urine, we cut away <laughs> to a guy in a very yellow costume and it's Electro. And we yeah. don't we don't learn everything about this guy, but we know he's wearing a ton of lightning bolts and he can yeah. shoot lightning bolts. And like every Spider-Man villain, he wants to rob some money. So yeah. we see him holding up an armored car and we see sort of a demonstration of his abilities. Yeah. This guy's covered in lightning bolts. We've got a clue. His, he calls himself Electro. Yeah. So it's not. I think we can guess subtle. what his abilities are. Yeah. There's lightning bolts coming out of his arms. Um, so he goes to an armored car. He shocks the guard. We see the lightning bolt hit the guard's watch, which means in a modern era, Electro's less powerful because nobody has watches. We're all wearing plastic, too, instead of metal. Um, he surrounds the armored car with lightning. The guards are overwhelmed and give up. And so he's going to get his big cartoonish bag of money. So villain yeah. established. Yeah. He robbed the uh, armored car. And it's pretty. It's pretty good action here. I mean, he looks ridiculous, but shooting he looks lightning ridiculous. bolts. Even the bolts don't look great to me. They look like the lightning bolts that Zeus throws, like in a uh, a story of myths. I think I. I think I was intimidated by the idea of fighting Electro when I was a kid. I think I often I mean, put myself in Spider Man's shoes, and I'd be like, "Yeah, this guy's tough. This is a legit power uh, compared to the other things he's fought. Like Doc Ock had metal arms. The Lizard is sort of strong. Yeah, the Vulture's like, an old guy balls. with That's wings. A superpower. Yeah, this is a real supernatural ability. Sandman too. Sandman has that too. Yeah, Sandman has a real power. This is the second one, I guess. That to me, it's like, oh, this is a real bad power. Uh, yeah. This is going to be tough. Okay, so we cut back to Peter Parker. Aunt May's being moved to the hospital, so it's even worse for him. That's right. And then he goes to school, and this, I actually really love this. He goes back to school. The kids are taunting him like they're always taunting him, but it's yeah. extra dark now. Like, now that we know that his aunt is on death's door, he, hearing them make fun of him in this light, at because the, the kids were kind of getting lighthearted and fun for a couple of issues. Yeah. Yeah. We're right back to like, welcome to the dollhouse level, twisted darkness, you know, like Jeremy spoke in class today, level of high school torment. I would also say like, we haven't had a lot of, uh, <clears throat> we haven't had a lot of like continuing threads that are sort of built. And in this issue, we have Flash remembering that he just fought Peter Parker in a boxing match. Yeah. Uh, Betty Brant is starting to evolve. Up till now, like the only thing that's really been carried over from earlier issues is like Jay Jonah hating him. Right. Yeah, um, that's it. Yeah, we're starting to get like continuity here. So Flash Thompson is starting to become a more real character. He's, he, he can tell that something's wrong with Peter and he feels bad. He was impressed at the way Peter beat the holy crap out of him last issue. Yeah, Peter almost killed him. So, he, so he's... You know, he has some respect. He has now. some respect. So he tries to be nice, but Peter just rushes away, which is enough to end the niceness. Yeah. Turns on him real hard, real fast. So but Peter is rushing out to visit his Aunt May. He goes to the hospital and Betty Brandt, the attractive secretary of J. Jonah Jameson, who Peter started flirting with uh, two issues ago. Yeah, after the vulture's uh, return. Is waiting by her bedside. Just took it upon herself to visit his sick aunt. I mean, which, that's uh, a, it's a big move. It's a good move to get a guy to fall in love with you. It's, you know, yeah, go to the but, hospital with his aunt. Yep, he is moved. Um, he's still maybe too concerned about not made a th- Aunt May to think about 
his love life. Then yeah. there's a there's a classic like Marvel romance comics panel um, uh, at the bottom of page five. Uh, right. Panel with seven. Like sort of with Betty kind of looking off at the into the audience. Yeah, it's strange. Although Peter seems so calm and easygoing, I get the feeling he's like a smoldering volcano inside, just waiting to erupt. It's as though he carries a deep secret within him, one which no one can ever share. That feels like a Roy Lichtenstein, uh, you know, panel with like yeah. the, the damsel in distress tormented by her love. And she basically knows he's Spider-Man. She all but put it together right there. Yeah. Um, okay, so Peter needs money. The, the doctor, the, the hospital is going to be expensive. And so Peter needs photos to sell for Joe Joe to Jameson. It's his only legal way of making money, but it's raining, mm-hmm. so he can't do it. And his costume is soaking wet. And he's got an exam tomorrow. This is like, this is peak Spider-Man for me. Yeah. Also, Peter is sexy. Yeah, Peter's Peter's jacked. Like, he's in his white t-shirt studying. I'm like, this is a good looking dude. He's a good looking dude. He's got rid of those glasses. He's not wearing the vest so much. Um, he's He's got spider muscles. Um, and he's a smart dude. And he's responsible. I mean, I'm attracted to him. And he looks great. Yeah. Um, That's all I'm saying is anybody would be attracted to Peter Parker. It's it's normal and great. Um, so then we we uh, <laughs> we cut to a bank where J. Jonah Jameson just happens to be. And <laughs> yes, J. Jonah Jameson, Jameson's at the bank. He does his banking personally. And he's at, in, a, at, in the Forest Hills Bank. He comes out from Manhattan to Forest Hills to do his banking. I love how much Forest Hills plays into the Spider-Man universe. <laughs> a, a publisher of a New York Times level newspaper and a Life magazine goes to Forest Hills, Queens to do his personal banking. Uh, okay, but yep. Electro conveniently robs it. So J.J. Jonah Jameson gets to see Electro in the flesh. That's right. Yeah, uh, there's a great moment where Electro is sort of shooting lightning bolts and uh, recognizes J.J. Jonah Jameson. And J.J. Jonah thinks, he knew who I was. That's a clue. He must be someone I know, which makes no sense. Makes no sense. J.J. Jonah Jameson has been on television. <laughs> Constantly <laughs> making tirades against Spider-Man. Yeah, Lots put, of people must know who he is. He puts his own face on billboards saying, Spider-Man's a jerk. Like, everybody would know yeah. who this guy is. Yeah, if this guy existed, I mean, this guy is basically Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. And so Bill O'Reilly going, someone recognized me? It must be a close must friend. Be a close personal friend. Um, Electra has no problem robbing more bags of money. And then in what strikes me as a weird move, he scales up a building using his electrical power. <laughs> it's a very weird move. Uh, but it's enough to convince J. Jonah Jameson that Electro is actually Spider-Man in disguise. I'm on J. Jonah Jameson's side on this one. Like he, if sure. I, as soon as somebody crawls up a building, I'm like, well, that's definitely a Spider-Man move. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, he's only knows one person that crawls up buildings and, uh, and who knows him, <laughs> right? Nobody else knows him. So, so he's convinced the cops show up. In the wake of the robbery, J. Jonah Jameson is like, he's Spider-Man. Uh, the cops are like, yeah, you have Peter, no... If Peter wanted to figure out a way to shoot lightning bolts, he would. Oh, yeah. I'm not taking it away from Peter. To Peter do. could do this. Peter Parker could definitely become Electro. I'm, t- I'm with J. Jonah Jameson. His, I think his assumption is right. Yeah. Throw so, Spider-Man in jail. Jameson, of course, immediately publishes front page next day headline. Electro is really Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, yeah the police get mad when he tells them about this because they ask for proof. Yeah. Uh, his, th- his response is proof. It can't be anyone but Spider-Man, that's proof enough. <laughs> I don't understand that sentence. He's so funny. Uh, yeah, the, co- the cops in Spider-Man comics are good guys. Like it's a, we mentioned a little bit with uh, Alex Fernie last episode. Later in the 60s, when like the counterculture in real life is kind of becoming a bigger part of this uh, news, Marvel Comics goes through a weird identity crisis because Marvel Comics wants to love the cops. Like, yeah. you know, they're, they're a written by mid-40s 
guys in their mid forties who are pretty traditional values. So they're like, cops are good. And the cops know that Spider-Man's not all that bad. Yeah. Um, okay. So Parker sees this headline, Electro is really Spider-Man. And he's like, he's like gripping the paper and like just shaking it in anger. Um, and I love that. He should be mad. Yeah. And then he also finds out the next panel that the operation is going to cost $1,000. Yeah. Um, Which is, you know, 1964 money. Yep. Uh, I mean, I would not be psyched right now if you took a thousand, if you told me I had to give a thousand dollars that like definitely uh, that's something I have to handle. Um, So for a teenager whose only job is selling pictures sometimes to a newspaper. So he goes to J. Jonah, J. Jonah, and he asks for a thousand dollars. Yeah, that's a bold move, too. Yeah, but he's he's up against a wall here. Sure. And J. Jonah Jameson's response is so funny. Sure, sure. You probably saw a hot rod you want to buy. <laughs> yeah. I never lend money, Parker. You should know that. Yeah. Um, so J. Jonah Jameson does say, if you could give me photographic proof that Spider-Man is Electro, I'll give you the money. Peter doesn't want to do that, but he does realize, oh, if I catch Electro, I can get reward money. So I'll just go catch Electro. Yeah. I like that. Uh, J. Jonah being a skin flint and not wanting to like his lending money to this kid who consistently brings in amazing photos is not a terrible investment. Yeah, that's right. But that J. Jonah is too cheap to do it. It's just a nice way to say like, no, we're not solving your problem that easily. Yeah. Um, this is another case uh, in Spider-Man where like he he's catching the villain, not totally for superhero reasons. He wants the reward. Yeah. Like, Aunt May is sick. If Aunt May is the priority, you would not be in Spider-Man's costume at all. Um, but he needs the reward money to save Aunt May. So he goes and he finds Electro. They have a battle and... Well, even before that, this is an interesting page, right? Because we've talked about in the past where when he goes looking for villains, he seems to find them within a panel or two. Yeah. And it takes him all page to find him. He finds a lot of de- uh, uh, other things. Oh, yeah. He finds like a guy with a telescope and some people <laughs> doing repair work. Yeah. And it's very weird. It's sort of a very boring page. Yeah. It looks amazing. The web slinging all looks great. Yeah. But it's sort of just like, that's hard to find a villain in a city. It took me six panels. Yeah. Um, you're right. That's longer than it usually takes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Spidey just swinging all over New York is always awesome. Yeah, it's great. Um, so he finds Electro. They get into a fight. Electro defeats him almost immediately. Right. Uh, Spider-Man touches him and uh, Electro's body is charged and it knocks Spider-Man out. It's a funny response Electro has. Like when Spider-Man's laying on the ground, Electro's like, I didn't mean to do that, but it was his fault. It's kind of like they want to make it clear. He's not a killer. Like he wasn't trying to kill anybody. Yeah. He's just a thief. But he's he's and he's kind of like, it's not my fault. I You know, that's his problem. I got to get out of here. Yeah. And he's sort of glad. Spider-Man was sort of a risk to him, but he's not, he didn't, wouldn't have killed him. It wasn't like the vulture who just immediately dumped him into a tank to drown him. Yeah. So then this is where Spider-Man does a really interesting thing. And it's maybe the most powerful part of the story. He fakes evidence that Spider-Man is Electro so that he can get the money. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the repercussions on that are not enough, uh, but it, yeah. you know, it, he's desperate for money. So he's willing to, and he's already faked photographs before during the Sandman fight. He, he faked made it. fake photographs, but that was over a fight that really did happen so it's not yeah, like an he, untruthful he that's right but they were fake photos which yeah. is still like if you found out bad. that it's the new york bad. times photos were recreations yeah no it's bad they um, terrible uh daily bugle is not really the new york times it's more like the like the daily yes. news of the new york posters it's more like the new york post because there's like so many opinions on the front page <laughs> yeah yeah I guess but so. um but uh okay so parker fakes it he gets the thousand dollars i mean he but i i like that he is corruptible like when it comes to yeah. his Aunt May, he will do anything. And he feels ashamed. It's it's unlike the uh, Sandman one where he's sort of like, this is okay. This one, he's like, I'm doing a bad thing. Do you think, I mean, what he didn't, he didn't steal money from anybody. He could easily commit a crime and just steal a thousand dollars. You know, he could get that. He could go to a liquor store and hold it up and get a thousand dollars probably. I mean, if anything, he is possibly sacrificing his career as a photojournalist. 
Yeah. Because this comes out, he could uh, lose his job and his and, way of making and should money. and should lose it. Yeah. He does not. Okay. So, but the J. Jonah Jameson is so happy, publishes yeah. the pictures, Electro sees the paper and laughs because he knows that he's not Spider-Man. And, and we immediately get a, we remembers get a, his origin. And then conveniently goes through a detailed remembrance of how he got his powers, which was a, he was a, like a phone guy working on electrical lines or something. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, was, he worked for the electric company. He was up on a pole and got hit by lightning. And was electrified. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we just see him be, we, he goes through a little litany of his powers and his, he doesn't really explain who made his costume for him, but we see him putting on his costume. Yeah. And then we cut to the press and he is freeing a bunch of people from a prison. I love this section. Uh, yeah, he, he has this idea of like freeing people from prison. So he has henchmen and they immediately all just run away. Yeah. I <laughs> um, was genuinely, I didn't remember that part. I was genuinely surprised. I was like, oh yeah, that's what would happen. They wouldn't immediately sign up to work with this guy. Yeah, they've been, this This is their one shot for freedom. Um, so electric, we see, but before he, before we see them run, run off, freedom, yeah. he's starting to set them free. We get like this kind of nice moment where Peter is at the hospital. He gives a thousand dollars. So they're doing the, they're going to do the surgery. And then Betty is there and they sit together uh, in the, uh, in a waiting room. Yeah. To see what happens. There's also a moment even before that, we're doing this uh, in a great I, order, yeah. where, he thinks, oh, I'll check on Aunt May, and then I'll go stop Electro. Uh, and Aunt May says, you won't leave me, dear. And he goes, nope, I won't. And he decides not to go after Electro right now. Right. It's gr- I mean, it's very powerful. I, I love this issue. I mean, the person that's the most important person in the world says, stay here. And he does. And he goes, I will. Yeah. I don't care that all these criminals are now loose. It's very, it's very fun that Spider, Spider-Man comics, I mean, you know, the broad strokes of Spider-Man comics are like any superhero comic. Good guy, bad guy, good guy wins. But the little twists and turns it takes are way smarter and more emotional than you would be used to if you were reading superhero comics at this time. They're, they're not, they're not yeah. afraid to go like in an unexpected direction and be like, all right, we'll get back to the finish line some other way. But it's not going to be this way. Yeah. Um, and so, okay, then we cut back to the prison where Elektra has freed them. <laughs> Everybody is just totally asleep. Escaping. Yeah. This is our chance. We're free. Let's go. Ignore that nut. He must be from the psycho ward. Yeah. Um, uh, they all run out. All these police officers <laughs> are just waiting and the police officers just cold cock them. <laughs> these police officers just Fun times over criminals yeah. in the face. Fun times over, pal. Back inside you go. Oh, we should have waited. Should have listened to Electro. <laughs> <laughs> these criminals walked right into the fists of the New York's finest. They had one panel of freedom. <laughs> So, um, uh, meanwhile, back at the hospital, the operation's a success. She's going to be yeah. okay. Um, he goes to talk to Betty, uh, and, uh, yeah, Betty he informs him he's going to go. Betty tells him oh. Electro's, there's a riot at the prison. And she doesn't want Peter to go take photos of it, but Peter has to, he needs the, the money and he also, he's Spider-Man. And um, then there's a little, we, we learned something about Betty Brandt here that's very cool. She yeah. like turns away from Peter and says, I was afraid of this. You're beginning to enjoy the danger, the excitement, just like someone else I once knew. And yeah, it's very like, soap opera moment. Yeah. Who's this? Who, who she knows somebody else? Yeah. You know somebody besides Peter Parker? And that's the first, you're the first person in this whole comic where that's true. <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're going to find out in another issue what she's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So we are starting to get multi-issue continuity. 
continuity. Okay, so now we're getting to the big fight. Spider-Man is going yeah. to confront Electro. J. Jonah Jameson sees Spider-Man, realizes that he's not Electro and his heart is broken. Yeah. I also love images of J. Jonah smiling. Uh, in the first panel here, he's just beaming at the proof that Spider-Man and Electro are the same. I, this line is so funny. Um, that fool Parker doesn't know it, but I'd have paid $20,000 for those pictures, uh, which is a huge amount of money. <laughs> yeah, that's an enormous, enormous amount of money. Several years uh, But then salary. two panels later, I'll be a laughingstock and all because of Peter Parker. Um, but Peter Parker can't worry about that right now. He's going into the prison. He puts on rubber slippers and gloves. That's right. So, so he'll be better suited to fight Electro. Uh, Smart move. Smart move. Uh, Scopes scouts out the area, finds Electro and the few prisoners who are staying with him. Yeah. And Spidey gets involved and starts to fight. Yep. He dives in and just beats up these crooks. Now, and we're into our main fight of the issue here, the the boss fight. Yeah. Uh, What do you Uh, think? I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. Um, I like that Spider-Man prepares for these fights. He brings ball bearings with him, uh, which is sort of a silly item, uh, but it serves like a, at least sort of science purpose. Yeah, it's always just like, what crazy visual ways can Spider-Man fight the villain? Yeah. So he's got, he throws uh, sand in the air. Uh, uh, that's not yet, right? Not yet. He throws uh, ball bearings to, to deflect the electric bolt. Yeah. Uh, they like magnet. And then he throws them on the floor that makes him trip. Yep. Um, he kind of handles the regular prisoners, no problem. Those are easy. They all go running down the stairs <laughs> in yeah. fear, right into the hands of the police. They also then get arrested. So then it's just <laughs> so then it's just Spider-Man and Electro. These police are good at their jobs when it's not superpowered villains. Yeah, they're good at getting rid of all the mid forties thieves that populate Manhattan. Yeah, um, all these white mid forties criminals. Yeah, these guys have guts. They got big old guts. <laughs> like they are they are out of shape. Uh, no, nobody, no adult is under thirty except for Spider-Man. Uh, it looks like in this. Yeah, and Betty Brant. Um, okay, so back to Spider-Man and Electro. It's just the two of them. This is a cool thing. Spider-Man kicks a bucket of sand at Electro yeah. and Electro turns it to glass. I remember thinking that was cool when I was a kid. Yeah, it doesn't really serve a purpose of the story. I think it's just like, this is a thing that would happen. Yeah, here's a cool visual. Then Electro's got a, he's got a gun. Spider-Man clogs with his web. He's got electrical wires. Spidey's rubber gloves can keep the wires at bay, but not too well. Yeah, he's running and he uh, bumps into something. He's sort of pinned between uh, stuff on the wall and these electrified wires. And But the thing on the wall is a fire hose. Yeah, and this seemed like, uh, and Spider-Man even thinks this, Seems like an obvious way to go. Yep, pours water on him and it shorts him out and he goes unconscious. This When he unmasks Electro, it's very funny. Yeah, yeah. Might as well remove his mask and see who he is. Then he, yeah. And then going. he does it and he goes, this guy I've never saw before. <laughs> If this was a movie, I'd gasp in shock and then I'd say, good heavens, the butler. But this guy I never saw before. Yeah. It's like Stan um, Lee looking at the thing and being like, what am I supposed to say here? He doesn't know who this guy is. Yeah, Steve Ditko drew this. Ditko drew uh, this dramatic unmasking moment, but Stan Lee's like, well, he doesn't know who he is. Yeah, so anyway, it's like he's a you know, guy who works for the electric company. Um, <laughs> it reminds me of the uh, Justice League cartoon. Uh, Justice League Unlimited has a story where Lex Luthor and Flash, uh, not to be confused with Flash Thompson, change bodies. Yes, so Lex Luthor is the Flash, and he decides, oh, I'll finally get to know who the Flash is. And he takes off his mask and looks in the mirror and goes, I have no idea who this is. <laughs> yes, I remember Because the Flash that. is just some dude. Just some dude. It's so funny. Who are you expecting? Are you expecting to be like a famous person? Yeah. Bruce Wayne's like the one of the few people you'd unmask and be like, holy shit. Yeah. It's like, oh, how Steve Jobs is Batman? But like, <laughs> yeah. but like, like Clark Kent, you wouldn't know. You, you might like, if you were like really into newspapers. <laughs> this is R.W. Apple from the New York Times. Like you wouldn't yeah. have any idea. Yeah. Um, 
Um, okay, so Electro's been caught. Jameson is in his office. He's infuriated because he's a laughing stock because he published, he lied. He got caught in a complete lie. The proof yeah. was bad. So here's and, a bold and, move. And, and the guy who gave him the photographs shows up at the office. Oh, boy. And and really happy looking. Parker walks in with real smug. Swagger. I'd say smug. Smug and cocky. He's as cocky as he is around the Fantastic Four, which is as cocky as he gets. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're not firing me and you're not suing me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jameson has every right to sue him. But, yeah. uh, but Parker has these amazing photos of the showdown between Spider-Man and Electro and he gives it to him for free as a way to like make it up. Yeah. Um, also, like Spider-Man gets in a fight every month. I don't know how valuable these photos really are at this point. The, the only way that it's hard to be on Parker's side here, but we are seeing what a monster J. Jonah Jameson is and like how little. Con- yes. Like he's turned down a, a loan for medical reasons. He's called him a fool in his head. Um He's yelled at a guy in a bank. So like, we don't totally feel sorry. We're, we're kind of like, well, if this had to happen to somebody, it's good that it's happening to Jameson. And even as Peter leaves the office this time, Jonah thinks to himself, I'm robbing him. I'll make a fortune with his pictures, but I deserve it because he's a fool. Yeah. It's not like I deserve it because he did wrong by me. I deserve it because he's a fool. Yeah. Um. So he's a Jonah's real- greedy. He's, he's a very greedy man. He's a real villain. Um. So you know what? And it doesn't really come up in these stories too much, but uh, every now and then, Jonah has a heart of gold and I love those moments. Uh, He's got a very first Spider-Man movie. Yeah. First Tobey Maguire movie. There's a moment where Green Goblin shows up and asks uh, J. Jonah Jameson who who takes the photographs of Spider-Man and he won't give up Peter's name. Yeah. He's like, they're just slid under my door. I don't know. Yes, he's got this. This is more true later in later Spider-Man yes. comics, but he's revealed to have real integrity as a newspaper man at some point. Yeah. Like he's ambitious and greedy and cheap, but there's lines he won't cross and he won't. And he's got a blind spot for Spider-Man. He hates Spider-Man. Yeah, but he won't betray the reporters on his staff. Like that's, yeah. and he's a, he's also shown to be a good reporter later, uh, like a good journalist. That's not true at all yes. in these issues, but like. For non-Spider-Man stories, he's revealed that he's good at his job. Yeah. Uh, that's a fun, that's a fun dimension that gets added to him. I Which know like, I think makes sense. There's no way he gets into this position if he wasn't at least at one point good at his job. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, he'll, he serves us now to be this kind of one dimensional villain, but he gets better as, as Marvel comics evolves. Yeah. It makes me think of like Michael Scott on the American office mm-hmm. where he's this idiot. And later on as the show goes on, they show him good at sales because they're like, he became the boss. Yeah. He couldn't be completely this dumb all the time about everything. Yeah. He has to have something redeeming. Yeah. Um, this last, so the last issue, the last page of the issue is Betty and Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, they get into a kind of a fight because she's like, well, I worry that you're too dangerous. He's like, fine, fine. You don't like me. You don't like me. Um, yeah. And I'm not Mr. Perfect. Sorry to have bothered you. Yes. Oh, it also uh, reveals that uh, Betty's for sure uh, dropped out of high school. Yeah. So she's his age. Yeah. I never told you why I left high school last year. And that's real sad. Yeah. She dropped out of high school. She's, she's a working girl. Um, it, it makes, she's become this like multidimensional character just in this issue. It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, and then Peter and Betty, they had this little fight, but then she comes running after him and they have like a sweet walk together. I mean, this is a really, this is the first female character in Marvel comics who is like a person, I think. Uh, more than the invisible girl? More at this point in the invisible girl's history. Yes, that's true. Okay. I mean, eventually it, you know, once yeah. John Byrne gets a hold of Sue Storm, she becomes terrific. But we're the invisible girl uh, and the Wasp are the only real competition, probably because the rest are like girlfriends. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, whoever yeah, you've got, um, 
Who's Iron Man's girl? Uh, I mean, it's Pepper Potts in the uh, she shows in the up movies, eventually. but I don't know if she's his girl in those old comics. She well, she's in the comics at some point. Yeah, um, um, got like Betsy Jane Ross Foster and Betsy Ross. Yeah, um, Betsy Ross has got a little spunk to her. Yeah, not a ton in those early issues. <laughs> yeah, so Betty Brand that, that here comes is, later too. Betty Maybe Brand. also with John Byrne. Um, yeah, um, the '80s was the was a good progressive. Well, that's not true because Frank Miller turned everybody into prostitutes. Well, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't totally great, but um, uh, but Betty Brandt here is is a, I I'm really loving the relationship between Peter and Betty. It's like it's I love I, Betty Brandt as his first girlfriend. I love it. It's just great. I mean, this the sad aspects of Peter's life are really brought to the forefront here. Um, I'm gonna make a quick digression about Betty Brandt. I know we're going long, um, but yeah. I don't know. Deal with it. Um, you're you're listening to this podcast under duress, yeah. as we've already the established. Kidnappers will let you go very soon. Uh, I really love Betty Brandt as her first girlfriend. She sort of gets short shrift and adaptions. Yeah. Um, because it just makes more sense to put him with either Gwen Stacy or Mary Jane Watson, who both have two longer you know, term girlfriends. Yeah. Um, but in the Toby Maguire movie, there's like a moment where Betty Brant and him just kind of share a look. And I think it was just thrown in there for fans, but I like that there's like a little chemistry between them. Yeah. Elizabeth Banks plays Betty Brant in that right, movie. Right. Uh, and then in the cartoon that uh, one of my favorite adaptions, the spectacular Spider-Man, which we should talk about at some point, but not today. Um, he asks her, out. And in the cartoon, she's an adult because she works at a newspaper. Yeah. She's like, I'm too old for you. But I love that they did that. Yeah. I would love to see... Well, we we I guess we do get to see the relationship because it it's, it it is in these Ditko issues. Like that we spend yeah, a lot, we spend a fair date. amount of time with Betty. So and I'm glad I think they break up before Ditko leaves. I think, I think that's the entirety right. of the relationship is in this run. It's a good one too. Um, yeah. By the end if, of if, Ditko's era, it's it's um, Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane, or Mary Jane's just about to enter. They neither of them have shown, or maybe Gwen has shown up. No, Gwen like, has, Gwen has shown up. But uh, yeah, he starts dating Gwen just after Ditko leaves. I think Gwen Stacy's all over that master planner seg. I I think he meets her in the Master Planner saga. That makes sense. He goes to college. Um, well, we'll get to that in 25 episodes. episodes yeah. So um, let's, give our, let's give out our awards. Let's do it. All right. Best panel. <coughs> Um, you want to go first? Yes. My favorite panel is Betsy and Peter sitting in the waiting room in the hospital. Um, oh, that is, yeah, that's a very it's a wide shot. Panel. It's dark. It's, uh, it's page 13, panel seven. Uh, it's just, uh, a, you're a sap. I'm a sap. Yeah. I love that emotional <laughs> part. How about yours? Um, my favorite is probably Jay Jonah's, uh, smile, um, on page 15, <laughs> where he is just smugly smoking a little butt of a cigar. No sign of Spider-Man. This yeah. proves he's really electro. I'll I'll probably win the Pulitzer Prize for my scoop. <laughs> it's okay. just like, I love, there's a later on issue where he gets real happy and it's just as fun, but seeing Jonah so proud of himself is delightful. What's your highlight? Oh, what's your dialogue? Stanley dialogue. My Stanley dialogue. Let me just find it. Oh, is when the criminals are uh, running from Spider-Man, he's kicked the gun away. One of them says, we didn't realize how soft we had it in our nice, quiet cells, <laughs> which I don't think they'd say even in that scenario, but it's very funny. Very funny. Mine is the one we already said when J. Jonah Jameson at the end is like, I'm robbing him. I'll make a fortune with his pictures, but I deserve it because he's a fool. Yeah. Like just so he's like there. rubbing his hands together. Yeah. Um, like Mr. Burns for a moment. What's your uh, highlight? Uh, my highlight is that first page when he's racing to Aunt May. Yeah. Um, we don't know what he's racing for, but he doesn't have a moment to lose. It's so great. And then even the reveal that he's just racing to give his medicine to Aunt May is so wonderful. Uh, my highlight is the moment you pointed out, which is when Aunt May says, you won't leave me, will you, dear? And he's like, no, I'll stay. And he chews 
chooses not to fight Electro to take care of her. Yeah, it's great. Um, it's a real emotional. It's not a highlight for Peter, but but drama wise, it's a highlight. Uh, yeah. What's your low light? I know you said you love this moment, but my low light is him faking the photos of Spider-Man as Electro. Uh, it feels like I mean, he just was told that the he was going to need a thousand dollars today. You'd think he'd have at least a week to pay the bill Yeah, to immediately go to something like this. Just feels, I don't know. Aunt May and Uncle Ben would be disappointed to hear he did this. I can, I totally see your argument, but that's also why I like it. It's so over the top. It just is, it's a big choice that shows his priorities. I I like it for that reason. But But it's like him being a good guy as, as I don't mind him not saving people when Aunt May's in danger. I don't love him bilking people and lying and cheating. I, I can't argue you out of that, but to me, it makes it more complicated and I love it. Um, my low light is, <laughs> is is that the prisoners immediately <laughs> get beaten up by the cops. Like they're taken out so fast. And that's my highlight. I think I've changed my mind. I, I want to follow those police officers next issue. So for Reader Mail, we're going to do that next time. We'll read some of our iTunes reviews and whatever other messages we get. Yep. Um, a personal memory. Um, I have two and I'll keep them real quick. Um, one is that when I was watching that cartoon I talked earlier, the spectacular Spider-Man, I would make my wife watch it sometimes. <laughs> uh, and she refused to call Electro Electro. Uh, she hated that name. She's like, why is he Electro? Just call him Electrifying Man, <laughs> which I mean is equally a, as bad a name. Yeah. Um, but she just like, she didn't understand why it was Electro, you know, yeah. it just really bothered her. <laughs> uh, and the other thing is like, I think this is she just makes me also think that like our mom was sick when we were young. Yes. Yes. I think that too. And, um, the idea of a superhero being helpless, like that the t- idea that even if we had superpowers, there's nothing we could have done other than yes. just be there. Yes. Uh, it, it sort of feels right. And we wouldn't have left either. Yeah. Like, but it feels right. Like if Spider-Man was able to like use his powers to save her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, it would almost feel like cheating oh, or something. That's, that's, yeah. that's not the like way she's it goes. Sick and it's like, that just, everything stops. Yeah, you, that's that's how it is. No, I, I think of that too. When I first read these comics, it was before mom got sick, so we were just kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still an emotionally powerful moment. I loved this issue then. But when I would reread them like in my 20s, you know, and at that point, they look very much like kids' stories, you know, I'm like, yeah. my, but those moments still hit me. And I was like, you know what? That is a real emotional moment here. Like, and I was like, yes, that is why these comics are better than a lot of the other ones. Like they make yeah. big, real choices. And um, yes, I think about mom when- in relation to Aunt May, just like, yeah, there's everything yeah. stops when, when the person. The ridiculousness is anchored on truth. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a great comic. They, they were really doing something special here. Um, uh, uh, how about recommendations? Uh, I'm going to recommend the comic, uh, uh, Harrow County. Okay. It's a horror comic by Cullen Bunn and Tyler Crook. Um, it's about a girl who's sort of the reincarnation of a witch who used to like haunt a town and, uh, she doesn't want to be evil anymore, Mm -hmm. but, uh, her heritage is basically evil. Uh, and there's a lot more to it than what I just described, but it's very interesting and very cool. And it's very beautiful. Um, there's been two or three volumes of it, I think at this point. And, uh, it's just one of those comics that every time I read a new volume, I'm like, oh, this is good. Yeah. Um, I will recommend the Fantastic Four issue where Galactus appears and the Watcher appears. Um, I don't know what number it is. It's like around issue 50, but I don't remember what number. It's much later than I ever realized until I eventually read. Yeah, it. but it's one of the all time great superhero arcs of this really ever, certainly of the 60s. Um, and it's Stanley and Jack Kirby at their best. And yeah. it's, it's really fun to read. It's like a three issue story. It's the middle of a street 
reek of great Fantastic Four issues. Yeah, Kevin and I had that discovery as we read the essential Fantastic Fours, which was the first time I read all 103 Kirby issues. Yeah. And when we hit that stretch, I'm like, wow, this is incredibly great. Yeah, when it first started, I was like, I guess this is good. I mean, it's good. I'm surprised it's held up as such a great run. And then when you get to that part, you're like, oh, this is why everyone loves the Fantastic Four. Yeah. It it takes them until like the 20s or 30s of their issues, but then it's really just so terrific. And um, the Watcher Galactus series, is it's just fun and great. And so if the Watcher was the backstory <laughs> of Strange Tales, <laughs> then I think go, go Tales read of Suspense. <laughs> Tales of Suspense. Then go read, um, go read a great Watcher story. Yeah. Either that or read one of his backup stories in Tales of Suspense. <laughs> Equally as good. Uh, all right, Kevin. So um, I'll see you next episode when we do issue 10. Yeah. The Enforcer as well. <laughs> I can't wait. The, <laughs> the worst villains ever. And I love them so much. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see you guys next episode. Bye. Screw it, screw it, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. Campfire.